the Power 5 Mentality Podcast, where we discuss all things mid-major, marketing, creative, and more with industry leaders across non-Power 5 schools. My name is Emily McMillan, and I'm joined with my co-host Scott Peace and our guest Nathan Branwell. Nathan is the Associate Athletic Director for Marketing and Tickets at fellow Missouri Valley Conference School, Bradley University. He specializes in ticket sales, operations, and marketing. How's it going, Nathan? It's good to be here. Thanks, thanks, guys. And uh, yeah, it's exciting to have a podcast like this out in the out in the market. Well, yeah, we're uh, we're certainly super excited to have you here. Um, this is a special episode because we'll be talking about um, the NACMA three pillars. And Nathan, you were really the first person we thought of uh, when we knew this was the topic we were going to tackle, just with your experience in marketing and ticketing and, and some of those different things over the years. Uh, for the listeners who aren't as familiar or maybe need a refresher, the three pillars consist of fan development, brand management, and revenue generation. So we're going to talk about some examples um, that Nathan has provided from Bradley and throughout his career. Emily and I will provide some um, as well, and we'll look to uh, see what we can learn from each other here. Um, so if we want to start out kind of on the fan development side, um, that incorporates things like attendance, in-venue experience. Um, CRM, fan research, things like that. So Nathan, talk to us a little bit about what you've done at Bradley. Yeah, so uh, revenue or revenue generation, if, if that's like a science, I feel like the fan development aspect is, is an art a little bit. It's, it's uh, there's things that you can measure, but there are a lot of things that you can't. Um, and so really what we try to focus on is, is those, those fan development um, sectors of, and I'm sure you're familiar with winning is not a strategy, Scott, your, your new fans and your casual fans. So those are the two areas that th- this past year we really try to hit up a lot. Um, and it really comes down to two things. How do you get them to the game and how do you get them to want to come back? Um, so at, at Bradley, um, you know, we've, for at least the casual fan side, we've hosted a lot of community nights um, and worked with local, you know, chambers of commerce to get those residents uh, to our games. We focused on, young alumni uh, with a couple of different offers, including last year we offered the 19 for 19 package. So it was $19 for full season tickets for 2019 spring graduates. Um, and, and those are reputable tickets, but we also offered a young alumni section um, in our lower bowl. Um, and then also the mobile pass that we had. So our Kaboom mobile pass, Kaboom is our mascot. Uh, you get tickets, you know, delivered directly to your phone. It's different tickets or different seats each game. That audience also uh, tends to skew more towards that younger demographic, and we're going to do some other things to kind of continue to focus on that that younger demographic, um, and not just on the ticketing side, but also on the the giving side. Um, we put a huge focus on group sales. Uh, I, I'm a true believer in group sales. Um, and then for new fans, which, you know, the book kind of defines as your students, especially if you're on a college campus, um, we really took it upon ourselves to try to um, really up the ante when it comes, when it came to the student experience. And so um, for, for, for us, we really wanted to, and I'm sure you've heard the driveway to driveway mentality of, you know, when a fan leaves their driveway and when they return to it, we consider that a dorm room to dorm room type of mentality. And so from the time they they leave the dorm room in, until the time they return. So um, th- well, those are kind of the areas that we wanted to focus on. How do we get them there? And then, you know, how do we get them to want to come back? So big part of that was putting an emphasis on, you know, 
more entertaining contest, um, less bulky reads. No one wants to sit through a 30 second sponsor read. How can we trim that off or how can we incorporate that sponsor read into a different element, maybe a video element uh, instead? Um, we, we dove into dynamic game scripts. So we would activate a sponsor, uh, sponsor element when the time is right within the game. So for example, our noise meter, that was completely uh, autonomous to, to myself, uh, men's basketball, as far as when was the appropriate time. Like a, when you're, when you're on the bad side of a 10 0 run, you don't want to go to a noise meter in, in most <laughs> situations and that kind of thing. So diving into that dynamic element of, of scripting really allowed us to, I thought have a better flow and entertainment factor to our games, uh, more video content, the more, the better, um, and then kind of going back to the students, uh, as I talked about that dorm room to dorm room mentality, um, you know, we held a welcome back pep rally before our big rivalry game against Illinois State. It was our welcome back week for students to turn that into a pep rally opportunity directly leading into the game. Um, we have a shuttle. We're, we're at a downtown arena just like you guys are. So we have a shuttle that takes our students down there. Um, but, you know, it takes more than one trip back and forth between campus to get our students back. So for the students that are waiting, what kind of fun activities or opportunities can we have where it's not considered a 15-minute wait um, before the next shuttle comes back? It's, it's, you know, an opportunity to hang out or, you know, shoot, ba- you know, shoot balls at the, the basket and stuff like that. Our DJ sits right in the student section with them. Um, we've even, uh, you know, tried to take it a step further, even past the games as, as far as developing that, that fan experience. And we, we try to put a focus on even getting students to attend our watch parties for away games at our sponsor location. Um, and then something Bradley's always done. It's not, not my idea. We, it's, it's one that we've always done. And I'm happy that we do it. Our booster club actually pays for all Arch Madness student vouchers. And so we've always had a, a pretty good redemption rate, and especially the last two years playing all three days down in St. Louis um, it has been, you know, we saw a really good redemption on those as well. So overall we had an 81% increase in men's basketball student attendance this year for, for students. So that's awesome. Um, but at the end of the day, we just want to make games, you know, fun and, and we want to try to make it even bigger, better next year. Nathan, I want to circle back to the groups for a second. Um, yep. That's something that I believe in strongly as well. If, if you're going to really boost your attendance, that's, you know, season tickets are your foundation, but groups is where it's going to kind of go up top. And Nathan and Bradley have uh, led the league in attendance. Uh, help me out. At least two, maybe three years in a row. Three. The three Three years yeah. in a row. But you got the three feet, which I'm yeah. not salty about at all. But, um, but no, we respect, have a lot of respect for what they're doing over there. So what would you say are some of your most successful groups that you've had over the last couple of years? Um, and what do you guys do beyond – you know, here's 10 plus 20 plus people. Here's your ticket. Enjoy the game. What do you guys do to kind of really maximize the group experience um, yeah, beyond so, this? Here's your ticket. Yeah. So um, we, we can, I kind of break down groups into kind of a, a couple of different categories. One is your is, you know, your youth team, your boy scout troop, stuff like that. That's part of an organization that has that traditional group leader in place where, they're your main line of communication and, and, and we've done really well on youth sports organizations. Um, our groups, uh, the, the crowdsource type, we, we had our military appreciation night last year and we opened it up for donations for fans. So a fan could donate the price of a group rated ticket. And then for every ticket that we had donated by our fans, we would match that from the athletic department standpoint. So 
we ended up donating 300 tickets to local veterans organization, whether that's AMVETS, whether that's VFWs, whether that's the, PR, the Greater PR Honor Flight, um, organizations like that, and then as well as ones uh, veterans that were able to come up to our ticket windows to redeem. So that's been a really good one. So, But groups, I feel like, are the best way to fill in your arena. Like your season ticket base, if you love, but you know where they're sitting at each game and you know what areas uh, you'd like to see improvement on. Uh, one of the things that we've also started this past year is that we pushed a lot of groups TV side. That was really important to us because, you know, it's even if you feel like that was a pretty good crowd, if it didn't look good on TV, people are going to say things. And so we just went ahead and, and tried to push as many groups TV side as, as, as we could. So now we have a lot of good success with that. We're actually I'm saving this kind of for revenue generation side. We're bringing in Aspire as our third party. So um, ticket. So for those not familiar, Aspire is a third party ticket uh, outbound sales program. Uh, and so I'm excited to integrate marketing campaigns with sales campaigns and sales campaigns with marketing campaigns. So no, but uh, that's a, you know, one season ticket, new season tickets are off sale. Um, it's pretty much our, our main focus is, is groups then at that point. Perfect. Um, this past year we played Murray State men's basketball um, and ended up having a crowd of over 7,300. It was our sixth largest crowd at our venue, um, largest crowd we had had in a while. Um, and it was about 2,000 fans over what we normally average. So it was pretty. It was a pretty special game for us. Um, I think we do a really nice job at UE of kind of picking a couple key games and really going all in on it and, and maximizing that and almost creating this FOMO where amongst the community where this is, okay, this is the place for this game we have to be. Um, really, it was like the perfect storm for us, too, going into this game. Um, it was a Saturday night game, which is really rare for us to have at Evansville. Um, prior to that, I think we only had one or two in my six years here. Um, so they're rare, but the fans really like them. Uh, so we did a couple different things. Uh, first of all, it was an orange out game. Um, orange is one of our secondary colors, and our fans really seem to be drawn to the orange uniforms and the whole the whole orange thing. So that was kind of an initial thing that we did. Um, we even did – actually, Emily did. I shouldn't say we – um, custom wallpaper, Jersey wallpapers, which you're seeing a lot of right now um, during this downtime, especially um, of our orange uniforms. Um, we we kind of talked about it going into it of having a sellout mentality going into the game. So we didn't know for sure if it would sell out. It obviously it fell pretty well short of that. We needed about 2,500 more tickets. But um, last year at NACMA, I had attended a session and they talked about having that sellout mentality. And you're not just going to trip and fall into a sellout you really need to attack it with with a strategic plan so that's that's kind of what we did some other things that we did it was over christmas break it was it was late in december so we offered five dollar tickets to any student college student with an id whether you were home for christmas or you went to the division two school down the street things like that uh, we knew one of the areas we were going to struggle for this game was going to be the student section and we didn't want that gaping hole down low so we we helped fill it with that we took Ace Purple around campus uh, leading up to it and passed out tickets to our faculty and staff. They're actually able to get two free tickets with, with an ID. So we actually took the tickets to them on campus and made kind of a, a guerrilla marketing moment out of that um, to generate some excitement on campus. Uh, we offered a four pack that included four tickets to the game and a $20 gift card to one of our restaurant partners. Um, the idea for that was to kind of 
spin it as kind of a early Christmas present and get people excited. It was a really good value. Uh, we did some ticket remaining type countdowns. Our fans really like the, so we have a, a lower bowl that's about 5,500 and then there's another about 4,500 up top. And uh, our standard is always trying to fill the lower bowl and fans get really excited when the lower bowl gets full because they know it's going to be uh, a big game. So we kind of counted down that and then um, took some pictures from the upper deck to show the seats from above because there's kind of a stigma around the upper deck at our arena, even though the, the seats are as good as any, um, maybe even better. But no one ever wants to sit upstairs for whatever reason. So we, we took some pictures up there. Um, and then the game itself was incredibly exciting. It was an overtime game that had like two game tying threes in the last five seconds. And um, we ended up winning. So everything about that game just seemed to fit perfect and be a perfect storm for us uh, and felt really good, good leaving that game for sure. Did I miss anything on that, Emily? I know it's kind of rambling on. I think but you covered everything. Um, I think the other fun thing that we did that game was we, and this goes in the social media part that I'll talk later, but uh, we tweeted in uh, Christmas vacation quotes um, during the entirety of the game. So I think we just, from every aspect, we tried to just make that a unique experience for fans that were there and who couldn't be there. And the other thing I wanted to touch on real quick from a fan development standpoint, um, and especially fan research, um, last year for the first time we sent out, uh, well, at least first time in a while, we had sent out a fan survey just to get feedback on what we're doing, primarily about men's basketball, but some other things as well. Um, we were able to do that through Learfield. Um, I know a lot of schools are doing this, um, but I really wanted to emphasize how valuable that was for us. Uh, we found out things like, okay, maybe we should look at replacing our, our MC that they don't necessarily like. We need to look at when some of our game times are. How do people get their information from us and, and what do they expect? And everything from, you know, feedback on the mascot and what he looks like and what he does during games and things like that. So I just really want to encourage everyone, whether you have a multimedia rights partner or not, who's able to help you with that, to really look at doing a post-game survey or post-season survey because um, you can really learn a lot from that. Is that I, I agree you guys with that, do? Scott. This is year three that we've done a survey, and, and we're actually able to like measure year-over-year year type of improvements or um, you know areas of improvement. So, no, I, I'm a big believer in surveys as well. Yeah, we uh, are releasing ours, I think, um, two weeks from now. So this will be year two. So that'll be interesting, too, to kind of compare last year to this year and where we've improved and where we still need to work on. Um, but now I think we'll, we'll move over to the brand management uh, pillar. That includes things like image, advertising, social media, leadership, things like that. So Nathan, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, brand management is, 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 I feel like, a very large pillar as far as breadth of, of what it could potentially cover. Um, and, and even for purposes of this podcast, I try to look at brand management uh, in the most simplistic way, which is I, I, I Googled what it, what, what it was so I can see like, okay, what is, what's the definition so I can actually talk about it in, in, in definitive terms that I could, you know, understand and be able to actually speak on specifically. So according to, you know, marketing 101 here, um, brand management is, is kind of an effort to control Tangible, intel, tangible and intel, uh, tangible elements, as well as um, those along your supply chain. So that's very much a, a business aspect. But using those type of type of um, you know ideas in speaking on you know athletics marketing, 
you know, tangible for a product is it's, it's look, it's price, it's packaging. What are things that we can control that, that are tangible? And so examples for us are, you know, all of our game day graphics. We try to keep those consistent. So, you know, um, the graphic that we use in our email blast is going to be consistent with the graphic that you see on social media, which is going to be consistent with, you know, if we're promoting that game and putting some ad spin on social media, you know, what you see on there, um, as well as digital billboards around campus. Um, our, our, you know, from a consistency and a branding standpoint, our, you know, desire is that even if we didn't put a Bradley logo on a graphic, you could tell as a fan that that was promoting Bradley men's basketball. And so, you know, even if, if it's never featured, that's just the sort of consistency and awareness that we're trying to aim for in, in our graphics that you can just from the, from the look, from the feel of it, you know what it's promoting. Um, we try to keep our messaging consistent um, as far as what's going out on press releases, what's going out on our emails to our all, all fans list, um, stuff of that nature. And even though, our, our messaging is slightly different from, you know, based on our target target audience, whether it's on Instagram where we're aiming more towards students, whether it's on Twitter where we're aiming towards more young alumni, that, that look and feel concept is still important to us. And then um, another ta tangible item, I also oversee merchandise sales for, for the athletic department. And so just the merchandise itself, you know, if we're going forward with a specific um, hashtag or something like that, or we have, for example, the, the Valley Championship design. I just want to make sure that it's consistent with what we're already doing in our brand standards. So uh, as far as I'll kind of skip ahead to supply chain, for me, supply chain is anyone that can touch your product in a negative or positive way. And so for us, you know, we're in the same boat like you guys are at Evansville. Our men's basketball program is downtown. It, we, we don't control a lot of elements as far as game day goes from a staffing perspective. So we are accountable to a lot of actions, whether it's parking, whether it's ushers, whether it's box office staff, um, that we don't technically have control over in that capacity. And so from, from that dynamic, um, we just are – you know, always before each season, try to make sure we have clear lines of communication, clear expectations of of everything that we're doing. As far, if we're offering, you know, a new promotion, if we're offering a new group area, or if we're, you know, doing a post-game group experience, we want to make sure everyone on that end for the Civic Center is aware of that so that they can help answer those questions along the way. And it's not a, hey, let me find out type of thing. Because, Customer services is such an important factor, and luckily we've scored pretty well with that on our on our survey results. But uh, we do go, I feel like, you know, overboard in, in some aspects, or at least above and beyond, with making sure that we are communicating those things with with those people because there there is a more room for error when you don't control all those lines. And so, finally, the intangible element is hopefully all of the tangible things that we've touched and all of the elements along our supply chain that we've helped reinforce, create this intangible experience. Um, and so one that wants or makes the fan want to come back to a game and would view it as an enjoyable, positive uh, experience overall. So that's how I kind of uh, decided to define brand management and, and how, um, you know, what we do at Bradley to uh, reinforce those areas. Awesome. Um yeah, I, 
I think you guys do a really good job over at Bradley. I think I have stole like copied some ideas from what you guys have done for just like no such thing as stealing in, in college yeah. athletics, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, just copy. I'll, I'll put air quotes around that. Uh, but yeah, for us at UE, I think social media is such a huge part of our brand management because it's cheap. You don't. Have, it's easy. It's uh, something that a lot of your fans are going to see all the time. Um, and like you were talking about having that consistent message across the board is um, so key and so important, but I think it starts with what you post on social media. And the example I kind of had, um, our men's basketball program beat uh, Kentucky earlier in November. Um, and it was just a massive, massive uh, thing for us because we got over 2.3 million impressions in 48 hours. And we were able to just kind of display who Evansville was to on a national stage um, but going into it, we didn't have the expectation that we were going to win, but we had to plan like we were going to win because we had just had to plan the unplanable of beating number one in Lexington. And um, it it basically came down to like we had to still work within where we were at, um, where we wanted to be for the rest of the year because if we weren't ourselves during a national stage kind of an event, people wouldn't actually get to know who we were and they wouldn't respond to what we were doing. Um, so I think that was a huge part of what we did going into it and what we came out of it. Um, it was just, and we had, I think three or four people just there just to create content and push out content, which is not always the case for these kind of events, but, um, we were, lucky that Lexington's pretty close to Evansville so um, we were able to display who UE is on that national level that we don't get very often um, being one of the smallest division one schools in the country Um, but I think we were able to once that game was over uh, take a breath and realize that we had an opportunity to show our brand to the world we're able to put out ticket deals and um, posts and all of these things immediately because we were all, we all had that plan for the unplanable situation um, going into it. Uh, And I I think it helped us. We got a lot of hits on our athletics website and our university website. We've gotten a lot of really good um, feedback in it. We're still talking about it months later. So I I think it, it hit hit pretty well. Um, And I think we, kind of broke the internet there for a, a day or so. So I I, I think it all, all worked out. But I think the lesson uh, I took away from it was that going into a situation like that, you can't just throw something at the wall and hope it sticks. You have to come in with intention and like knowing what you foresee happening and then responding to the unplanned situations like ESPN putting out a upset alert that's not something we had thought was going to happen but we were ready and had the right people in the right spots to um to do that and so i I think that's why it ended up working out really well for us um but outside of that uh, ue went through a rebrand back in april of 2019 and so branding has been a huge huge topic for us um this year and it goes past just what your logo looks like um that's a huge part of it but it's what like Nathan was saying earlier, it's it, any publication from us should be recognizable as Evansville. And so I think a way that we kind of try to tackle that this year was in our poster series for all of our ticketed sports. Starting back in the fall, I made these posters that we basically clipped um, athletes' photos into an outline of 
our logo. So it's silhouette of the logo, but it repeated and reiterated what the new standard is and what the new logo was um, consistently and um, looked really cool aesthetically uh, following with everything else we had. So it, um, it just, I, I think it progressively got better and it progressively looked cooler and pe people bought into what our new branding was, which um, was really cool. But it, I think brand management really just boils down to um, having a consistent look, having re repetitive and uh, consistent uh, messaging across the board. And I think that's hopefully what UE and Bradley are doing and hopefully what we can um, show and help support uh, other schools across the country. Uh, as far as the, the branding goes, uh, I've never been through a, a full logo transition as far as a, a rebrand goes. Um, I, I will say, I think it took up until last year for Yahoo Sports to not use our old BU Braves logo. Uh, and that's, and our B shield has been around for about 10 years. So I, it, it's sometimes tougher for those, the, the national brand ones where you're like, come on, like Yahoo Sports, like just, just Google us. Like, what? so um, no, but it, I know you guys did a, did a really good job in the aftermath of that, of that Kentucky upset, obviously. So um, 2.3, you said 2.3 million impressions. That's, that's a lot. So, um, but no, as far as, you know, the third, third pillar, I guess I'll transition into it. If I had to choose my favorite pillar, uh, it would be, it would be revenue generation. Like I just coming from a ticket background, Scott, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's hard not to come from that ticket sales background and not have a passion for revenue generation. And because, you know, coming from that ticket background, I like to put a lot of emphasis on marketing around tickets, you know, something that's, it, that's actionable. So whether that's season tickets, whether that's group tickets, mini packs, um, you know, our Kaboom mobile pass, family section, special discounts, you name it. Um, I like to market around those actionable purchase cues, um, especially on the ad spend side. Um, you know, if we're putting out a, an ad on, you know, whether it's social media or a retargeting ad through our partners that, that help us do that, um, I want it to, you know, yeah, click back to schedule, that's fine, or let's click to our, our ticket schedule, you know, directly through Ticketmaster. Let's, let's get them one step closer to that ticket purchase. Let's, let's eliminate as many barriers between fans and purchasing of those tickets as possible. So um, other elements as far as revenue generation, we, we put emphasis on monetizing a lot of our game elements, um, halftime scrimmages, post-game shoot-arounds, um, even certain types of entertainment. Uh, our, our baby race uh, uh, had that this year. Um, my daughter participated. She did not win. So we're going to try for baby number two here and try over and start over. And I'm just kidding. Um, but no, uh, that was, that was really fun to, to be a part of. Um, but, and that's something that people love as well. Uh, we've had dance teams, we've had drum lines come in. So those are monetizable elements. Um, we also partner with a lot of nonprofit organizations uh, in, in the Peoria area. Um, allowing them to sell tickets um, on behalf of, you know, Bradley, but then they get a certain amount of, of money back um, to help with fundraiser. Probably my favorite example of that is we have a local special needs organization that has a special Olympics basketball team. Um, they've done it for two straight years now for the fundraiser. And because they fundraise at a high enough level through ticket sales, they always do a halftime scrimmage and their fundraisers have been so successful. They've actually purchased 
pieces of equipment. So they've, they, everyone got new jerseys two years ago. Everyone got new shorts two years ago with their logo and, and everything like that for them to be able to compete in the Special Olympics um, later that winter. So that's probably my favorite nonprofit example, but we, we do that quite a bit with, with those fundraiser opportunities. Um, as I mentioned, we've decided to go with Aspire so we can you know start building those, like I said, marketing campaigns around sales campaigns and vice versa. Um, Kids Club, we, we try to monetize as far as leveraging that database. Uh, merchandise, we don't get any um, you know money back on concessions or anything like that from any of our venues. So merchandise is a, is a pretty good portion of what we get on a game day as far as per caps go. Um, and then I guess creating, as far as that kind of last element that I can think of, creating in-game and digital assets for Learfield to monetize uh, is is also important, I guess, even more in this current COVID-19 world that we're living in with no spring sports and no, you know, potentially, you know, if we're looking further ahead, you know, golf outings are in question, stuff like that. So how do we convert those uh, sponsor deals uh, and actually be able to fulfill those? So um, we've really tagged sponsors or at least included sponsors a lot in our uh, digital content that we've been creating such as you know our season recaps we did an at-home skills video series where coaches are doing these like hey here's how you know here's a fundamental way to you know dribble a soccer ball or dribble a basketball or you know bump set spike at volleyball type of thing so um, we've really been able to attach sponsors that way and fulfill um, a lot of those sponsor obligations for our Learfield sports properties just through the digital content that we've created. So, uh, and then in-game stuff as well, whether that's promotions, whether that's um, yeah, our community nights, I believe are going to be sponsored this year, stuff like that. So just being able to create inventory for, for them to be able to bring in that revenue is, is a key part of our job and something I feel like we, we do pretty good at here at Bradley. All right, Nathan. Well, you're, you're exactly right. Um, Pillar three is my favorite of the three pillars, revenue generation. Um, I really think having that ticket sales and ticket operations background really was valuable for me in terms of transitioning into a, a more of a marketing role and kind of understanding how that side of things work. I think that's really been really beneficial and uh, really an asset for me. Um, I'm going to touch on one uh, sales campaign that we did at Evansville before we move on. Um, and this took place actually two years ago with our Century Club season ticket package. Um, two years ago, there was a lot going on. It was, first of all, it was our 100th season of men's basketball. So we were kind of celebrating that. Uh, we had just hired a new coach. Um, there was a lot of excitement around the program. He was a, a local person um, originally. Um, so excitement was really at an all-time high, even though we didn't really have much success in terms of wins and losses, really in about... 20 years. It's been, been a while. Um, our NCAA tournament drought has gone on longer than any of us would hope, but there was a lot of excitement. Um, the year before we actually had a record low average attendance. We were living somewhere around, I think 38 or 3,900, which was the lowest in 50, 60 years or more. Um, so we knew, um, we had to take advantage of kind of the situation we were in. So we created this century club season ticket package and our mindset was, uh, we need to get as many people in the door to see this team as possible um, and take advantage of what's going on. The The package itself, um, were basically $100 season tickets in our end zone area that we had a really, really hard time filling in the past. So we wanted to, to basically offer this lower price point um, in order to get people in. But the catch was in order to get that, you had to buy at least four seats. So each person that was doing this was buying four seats at a time. 
um, and it was still only $400, which was less than some of our more premium seats anyway. So it was definitely a, a particular market that, that we were looking at on that. Um, really, it surpassed any of our wildest expectations, I think. We ended up selling 628 of these season tickets, which from a percentage standpoint, if you look at us averaging about 3,900 the year before was, was huge for us. Uh, we even had one individual uh, buy 51 season tickets himself. It wasn't a broker or anything like that. It was just, just a guy. He was actually a former men's basketball manager from back in the day. Um, so that, that was a really sex, successful sales campaign where we really took advantage of the fact um, that we finally had some positive momentum. And I think that's something we do really well at UE is if you give us even just a, just a hint of momentum or just a positive thing, we really take it and roll with it. Um, so that's an example I wanted to provide from a, a revenue generation standpoint. Um, so yeah, that kind of covers our three pillars of fan development, brand management, and revenue generation. Um, Nathan definitely appreciates uh, the feedback and some, some ideas that I think we'll, we'll definitely look to use ourselves, honestly. And now we want to kind of transition into one of the segments we like to do with all of our guests. Um, if we call it our R and D set segment, that's not research and development that is rip off and duplicate. Uh, so it's ironic to me that you mentioned that a little bit earlier, there's no copying in college athletics. And I think that's one of the cool things about our industry is that, um, while we are all competing against each other on the field, we really aren't competing against each other with our own fans and a lot of things like that. So there's a lot of collaboration, uh, and things like that. So the whole idea behind this segment uh, is kind of ironic because I ripped off the term rip off and duplicate. I heard it on another podcast. Um, it was either flip the switch with David Malay or winning is not a strategy with Zach Locks. I don't even, I don't remember who heard it, but it really stuck with me and it rang true. So I think it's funny. The spirit of the segment is also ripped off, but what I'm going to ask you, Nathan, is what is one of the, the best ideas you've seen another school or professional organization even uh, do? How you that modified it to work for your school um, and what that looked like? I mean, to be honest, I, I've, uh, uh, I don't know if we should use the word stolen, but I've uh, ripped off and duplicated quite a bit of uh, ideas uh, in both, both here and at my previous stops and, and stuff. But uh Probably one of my favorite ones that we did was not this past season, but the season before um, during that Arctic blast that a lot of the Midwest was experiencing. Um, we did a promotion of for every degree below zero that it got, we would take 1% off of specifically, you know, place tickets within um, our arena for men's basketball. And I think it got like 43 degrees below zero or something like that. So we took 43% off some uh, select tickets there. And that one was ripped off and duplicated from Georgetown when I think Chris Crossy was there still. And it was for like the snowmageddon and they did for every inch of snow, they would take a percentage off of, off of that price. But um, I mean, I've uh, there's, it's, it's a copycat league, right? That's what they call it. I mean, even our tunnel video this year for men's basketball, I took from a 2010 Kansas City Chiefs video because I'm a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. And um, I remember they used that specific song and they made it that way. So I was like, this is what I want for our tunnel video this year. Um, the 19 for 19, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, that, that I got that idea from Stanford last year when I saw them do it. So there's been a, there's been a few. Uh, those are just, I guess, one of the, some of the most recent ones that come to the top of mind. 
Well, I think right. one of the cool things about it is it's so rare that, you know, of course, this is what we do. And some of us, you know, we obsess about it and do a lot of research. But our fans maybe aren't the same way. So, yes, you did it from a 2010 Chiefs video. But how many of your fans did, you know, knew that? I was zero. Yeah, it's just me. Yeah. (laughs) So it's almost always new to the fan base. Um, I think that's the most important thing is that it's not it's not so obvious that it's ripped off. It's just, you know, it's an appreciation for a good idea and modifying it to work for you. Um, I know we're about to do um, a direct rip off really of something Rice just did um, that we've tweeted about on our account, too. If Emily, you want to you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, we're planning a Twitter lockdown um, and the next month or so basically um, locking down our Twitter and giving away uh, prizes to our fans that follow our Twitter account um, just to give some positivity going during all of this craziness, but also to help uh, boost our numbers on our main uh, Twitter account. And Rice did it and they did uh, amazing, amazing job. So I think it, I think it's a, Sincerest form of flattery is uh, whatever that phrase is. Um, so they, they did it really well. And so we, we kind of want to duplicate it for our fans um, on our, in our perspective. Well, I think that's why organizations like NACTA and NACMA and NATSO are, are, are so good and important to be a part of if you're in this industry, because, you know, those in, in this industry, like you said, they, uh, they are willing to share ideas without hesitation, really. And, you know, and, you might be competitors on the court or the field uh, or whatever, but uh, everyone in our roles, I feel like wants to see everyone else succeed within their given area. So um, a big shout out for, you know, NACTA and NACMA and NATSO for being those resources um, and really allowing through their message boards, through their conventions and everything for these ideas to spread um, and, and be used by other, you know, schools when those, programs are successful. So I, I think it's very important to be part of organizations like that for that kind of uh, opportunity to see what others are doing and what others are successful at. I, I think it is also what embodies what this podcast is about is being a community that's willing to share ideas and being creative with each other um, because we are all going through the same situations. We all have limited resources and we, but, and so sometimes you don't have that creative uh bring bring um sparker lightning bolt and so i think it's good to um keep an eye out on what other schools and what other people are doing um across the country well nathan we really appreciate you stopping by with us um providing some insight and uh, into what you guys are doing at bradley you guys do an awesome job you can follow nathan at tip of underscore arrowhead on twitter there's that Chiefs fandom again coming back into play yeah um so i'd encourage you to um to follow nathan reach out to him if you have any thoughts on anything he's mentioned or want to pick his brain um and i will let emily tell us a little bit more about uh how you can follow us as we go along yeah um you can follow us on uh twitter at p5 the number five mentality um if you have any feedback you can dm us or you can email us at power5mentality at gmail.com you can find our website powerfivementality.wix.com backslash my site and you can follow me and scott on twitter and instagram at you can follow me at emily underscore mcm 16 and you can find scott at scott underscore peace um but also just remember to uh follow us and rate us on your favorite podcasting app we should be out on pretty much every platform um but thank you again uh once again for joining us on the power five mentality podcast 
Remember, power five is just a mentality. 